through. I've just learned to be intentional about forward movement. Yeah. Because you can sit in a funk for so long. Even, you know, I was I was going through what I went through for like six months. Mm. And like, you know, I've said in previous episodes, there was no reason for it. It should have been like the happiest time of my life. Um, it was about four months. And I couldn't identify why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. But what I was grateful for was that I recognized that I was different. I recognized that I wasn't myself. Sometimes you can be so in a negative rut that you don't really even recognize that you're not yourself right mm -hmm. now. So I did recognize it. And then I was just super, if I can recognize it, I can treat it. Yeah. Right. And so Sometime. I'm like, yeah, well my mindset in that moment was be intentional. Like don't let yourself go backwards. Like you've worked way too hard to get what you, where you are right now. Don't let yourself like blow this. So I decided to be super intentional. I wrote out how I felt and then I wrote out all the things that make me feel amazing because when you're in a rut, you forget what makes you feel good. Mm, that's a hack. Mm -hmm. You forget what I makes you feel good. So I wrote in my journal a list of all the things that make me feel amazing. And every couple of days I was intentional when I couldn't think and see clearly, I could see it on that list. So I went to that list and if it was like, get my hair done, like, oh, let's get my hair done. If it was get a massage, if it was meditate, journal, what, go for a walk. I just wrote down those things that made me feel good. And that's like intentionally fighting back rather than just letting the funk take you down. Mm, that's good. Remembering what makes you feel good mm -hmm. and just go do that stuff. And go do it. And, and, and it's hard to take it off the paper and actually do it. Right. Yeah. So you've got to have your mental toughness. You've got, even if your mental toughness isn't so tough, it comes, it's, it's more of a discipline practice. You just got to be really like, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it. I don't feel like going to the nail salon, but I'm going to go get my nails done. You know, there was one point during that where my nails grew out so long. Like I needed a fill in. Are those the same nails from Black Equity Club? Yeah. Don't they look amazing? I mean, you still got a bunch of nail under it. Yeah. These are my real nails. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so my nails had grown out nice, so yeah. long one time and I was looking and looking and looking like I really need to get my nails done. But I was in such a rut that I didn't care what my nails looked like. I didn't care what my hair looked like. I just so what ended up happening was I hit something and cracked my nail and it started bleeding so I had to go and get my nails done. And it took that after the experience, I actually felt good. Like, oh, my nails are pretty. It was something mm -hmm. to celebrate in that moment. And when you're going through ruts, you're not looking for amazing days necessarily. You're looking for great moments. And those great moments are going to keep pushing you through. Yeah. I think a second component to creating a narrative is to keep it simple. Mm. Yeah. Keep it simple. Sometimes you're overcomplicating the thought process. So sleep is for suckers designed for CEOs who are willing to risk a little sleep to get what they want in life. Period. Can you see it? Is it something that at a point in time of your life you bought into? Like, mm. you know, whether you do or don't today, it was very simple. Whether you agree with it or not, it's very simple. So even if you're a person who says, oh, not me, I get my eight to 10 hours and I'm going to get it. I don't believe sleep is for suckers. When you're talking to another entrepreneur who does, mm. 
you're going to talk to them about that brand. Oh, yeah, I know this guy who has this brand, and that's exactly what he does. That's not my thing, but that's what he does. Keeping your message as simple as possible. So when you're talking to people right now about your brand and your messaging, how long does it take you to communicate it? If it takes you more than 30 seconds to spit out what it is that you actually do, you are not creating a narrative. Mm -hmm. You have a monologue. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So keep it as simple as possible. Can you reduce your messaging down to 30 seconds? Via a job, right? Most of us started a job somewhere, whether you were cutting grass or you had an actual W-2 job, right? And that's where we all start. And honestly, we want to respect that part of the process because your job will teach you certain principles and values and operations and processes that help you to become a good entrepreneur. Here's the thing. It is easier to be a good entrepreneur when you were a good employee. That's a fact. It's not required that you be a good employee to be a good entrepreneur, but it is easier to be a good entrepreneur if you were first a good employee. If you were a person who lacked work ethic and your employer couldn't trust you to show up on time, to be working while you were on the clock, to do the job and get the result, why would your client trust you to show up on time, to do the work on time, and to deliver the result? Guys, the energy that you put out will always reciprocate. Even if you feel like you got lucky and you hit the jackpot and you sucked as an employee and you're making it as an entrepreneur, it's going to come back and pay you somehow. Might not be through your performance, but it might be when you're ready to start hiring people, then you get terrible employees because of the type of employee you were, right? Or you don't know how to be an effective leader because you didn't know how to be a great follower. So if you are working... We said this once before, change the thought process, right? If you're working and you want to work your way off of the job, immediately stop saying that you hate your job. Mm -hmm. Immediately. Because as David said once, the money that you make on your job is the investment capital that you need to create your business. Why wouldn't you respect that? Wouldn't you respect an investor? When you get an investor in your business, are you going to do everything you can to please said investor? Let me make sure we got the reports right. Let me make sure I'm executing. Let me make sure your job is your first investment into your business. When you're thinking about who can help you, make sure you're going to people who actually can help you, right? (laughs) Not people that you like to necessarily talk to. Sometimes you may have to get outside of your circle, for example. Um... Some of us grew up in households where we didn't learn a whole lot about money. We saw our parents struggling to pay bills. Anybody in here can relate to that? Yes. So would it be a wise choice to go to mom or dad and say, mom or dad, how do I create a budget? We didn't grow up in a house with parents who had good budgeting skills. If you grew up in a home with parents who had terrible credit, why would you go to them for credit advice? But Your best friend's father has excellent credit. Maybe go to that best friend's father. Like when you're determining who can help you, it's also very important to identify who's unqualified to help you as well. Mm, And in this case where you're wanting to do more, like, I don't know about you. I don't know about any of you, but at a time I've been in circles of people that I outgrew, right? And I wanted to start doing some bigger things with my life. I wanted to start making some better decisions. 
But I stayed stuck in the same situations, making the same decisions, doing the, getting the same results because I'm still asking these same friends. Like, I want to I wanna move beyond what this friendship offers, but right now you're the only friend, so I can only ask you, and you're giving me all of this advice. That's terrible advice because you're not even thinking on that level, nor have you experienced it. When you're asking people for help, it should be someone that has experienced something close or significant enough to what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Very, very, very important. You, in your own mind, can't get the result that you've never had. That's a fact. You can't. You can't. I didn't get to where I am. You didn't get to where you are thinking on your own mind. Along the way, we've taken courses and we've learned to incorporate what somebody else thought. We've, we've gotten mentors and we learned to incorporate what they thought. You being who you are right now, where you are in your life is exactly the place that you're supposed to be in because it's in direct al- in alignment with what you think and how you're thinking right now. If you want to get past that part, we have to start adapting different thought processes. And the best way, the fastest way, the most significant way is to find your who. Yes. There's a book called Who yeah. Not How. I forget the author. Is uh, that Dan? What's, what's the name? Uh, Sullivan? Is that Dan, Was, is Dan Sullivan? Sullivan? Dan yeah. Sullivan. Who Not How. Everybody needs that book. So, oh gosh, did I forget my number five? Is something? Oh, number five. Before you quit or give up, you should consider who else will be affected from me quitting. Mm-hmm. Who else? Who else quits? Who else loses because I decided to quit? And how much is the pain of them losing with you worth to you? Right? So who else is affected? Couple of examples. Some of you may have children. If you quit and Question for you. Why do you want to learn a new language? Like where would you use it and how would it come in handy? Think about this, right? Listen, you always wanted to learn a new language. Well, let me introduce you to Rosetta Stone. It is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language that you really, really want to learn. Listen, I am looking to really dive deep into Rosetta Stone this year. I tried it. It's really, really fun because I always wanted to be able to reach a broader audience with my business. So we about to learn this Spanish. Espanol, baby. Listen, Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 different languages offered. So if you want to learn Spanish or French, Italian, German, Korean, Japanese, Dutch, Polish, 25 different languages offered. Also, um, it's fast language acquisition. So Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. For one, there's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. It's a very intuitive process, meaning you pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, speech recognition. The built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's also convenient. Like I said, you can use it on desktop or app um, with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You will get a lifetime membership for all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in your life. Lifetime access, all 25 languages 
For 50% off, Rosetta Stone is offering you a steal of a deal. Listen up, y'all. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Social Proof Podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Do it today. I get it. I know what's going on. Your business was rocking, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and much, much more. 25. NetSuite turned 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all your KPIs or key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Listen, there's power in having organization in your business, having all the information in one place. With disorganization comes poverty. Trust me, this is an unprecedented offer by NetSuite. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash social proof. That's netsuite.com slash social proof to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash social proof. You don't continue to pursue your dream. What kind of life does the as is you provide your kids? If you quit, what kind of example do you fail to set for the friends around you that you see so much potential and they need to do so much better and you're that friend? If you quit, do they continue to quit? Who else stands to lose based on your decisions? For me, if I quit and I say the same, if I quit right now, my daughter stands to lose. My mom stands to lose. My friends stand to lose because just simply being associated with me provides something to their lifestyle. My employees stand to lose. If I quit right now, I am affecting dozens of lives. And then not even thinking about the lives of the people who I impact that I'll never, ever get to speak to. But you're watching, you're looking, you're listening. And it's something about Donnie Wiggins and who she is today that's driving you, that keeps you going. All of those people stand to lose. If you quit on life, you know, I hear people say sometimes who are, um, who have survived like a suicide attempt. I hear them say that at that moment, their thoughts are so cloudy that nobody else's pain matters to them. Nobody Mm -hmm. else's pain. They can't think of anybody else. And I'm, I'm imagining that it feels that way, like in business, when you're just so burnt out. I saw a clip from a podcast yesterday and it's going around on Instagram right now. I forget whose podcast it is. It might be academics. 
where this guy says, I have been looking for good people for so long. I'm just tired. And I'm and, and he asked him, like, you, you, you that tired that you're ready to quit? And this big grown man just starts crying on this podcast. He's like, I am tired. And I wanted to be in that audience and raise my hand and say, but wait, don't get so tired that you just give it all up. Who else is going to lose? What could you continuing to search for these people that you need in your life? That result, who else could benefit from that? Who can hear your story right now? And they're feeling like you and, and you're ready to quit and you're justifying quitting for them and they jump too. Mm. They quit too. What if you just keep going long enough to be so powerful and so impactful that a nation of people keep going because of your decision to keep going. A lot of times when we're trying to identify what part of our environment is causing us to stay in this place that we don't want to be in, that is that is us. A lot of that reason is us. It's because before you start cutting off friends and moving out of neighborhoods and going into other environments, you have to retrain your brain. You have to start feeding your brain and your body better information, better thoughts. It's auto-suggestion. It's self-auto-suggestion, right? So when I start my day, which I do start my day every single day with meditation and affirmations, like it's really difficult to get out of the bed and be angry. How many people ever woke up just out of the bed? You mad already? (laughs) You just get up out of the bed And you're lying because only two people raised their hand, right? Y'all are not telling the truth. Y'all have never gone somewhere and you're short with somebody or you've kind of gone off on somebody. You're like, I'm just not feeling it today. Today is just not my day. How is it seven o'clock in the morning and you mad already? (laughs) You're mad already. Your alarm went off at six. By seven, you're mad already. And you're blaming it on things like I haven't had my coffee or you're still mad about the argument that you had last night. You have to train your brain. When you start focusing intentionally on personal development, things like missing your cup of coffee at the regular time and it delaying itself an hour won't bother you as much. That argument from last night, you won't even really remember the point that took you to the next level of passivity because you are so in tune with personal development and you know that personal development will help you shake something off very, very quickly. If you are not reading a book, listen to a book. If you're not listening to the book, watch the documentary. Stay tuned into the to, to the Social Proof Podcast because this is, uh, in, in our day and age, this is a huge personal development resource. A huge, all we talk about on this podcast is success. But let me tell you something. The success typically doesn't come until you make room for it. Mm, Okay, explain that, explain that, explain that, explain that. So it's about environment, right? A successful environment. I'm not talking about physical environment, but the environment for success. Have you created the environment for success? Number one, so many of us want to make it out of the hood or make it out of our current situations that we haven't even, we haven't decided what we want to do. How are we going to do it? Okay, I want to get out of the hood, but how am I going to do it? I want to change my life, but what vehicle am I going to use to do it, right? So that's vision, Do you have a vision? Have you established a vision? 
You want to make it out of the hood, but what exactly does that look like? Does that mean make it to the neighborhood next door to the hood? Does that mean make it to the other side of town? Are your neighbors now uh, multicultural? Are you in an upper-class African-American neighborhood? What exactly does that look like? Right? I knew that when I moved to a different environment, it was important for me to be in a mixed cultural environment because I have now worked with all kinds of people and I wanted my daughter who was in a predominantly black neighborhood all her life. I wanted her to understand how to work with other people and navigate those kind of relationships and friendships. So what's the vision that you have and what does it look like when you close your eyes? What do you see yourself driving? Maybe that's not even important to you. Maybe what you drive isn't important. The other thing that was important to me, Shans, when I moved from the South Side was having access to quality food. Mm. (laughs) Having access to quality food was hugely important to me because every time I got off my exit, there was a Popeye's and a Chick-fil-A and a Wendy's, but there was no uh, fresh market. Is that when you develop your taste for churches? (laughs) She loves churches. It's crazy. She's the bougiest person, but loves churches. For the record, I do not eat churches chicken, but I do have a craving. Let me just environment. Okay. Environment. Because whenever I go to the E-complex, my choice is churches chicken or something else full of, you know, salt and sodium. If somebody was editing this, it would say, yo, I do not eat churches chicken. And then, like, they'll cut to the part where it says, when I go to the E-complex, my choice is churches chicken. So, you gotta watch the editors. What happens is, (laughs) because I spend so much time there when I'm there, the only thing, you've been there, the only thing is a dang on church's chicken and I go and get a biscuit. Do you eat church's chicken? Just for clarity. I eat biscuits from the establishment called churches. (laughs) I do not eat chicken from church's chicken. All right? So, environment. Have you, stay focused on, we're we're professionals. We're never going to sponsor this episode. We're we're professionals. We're never going to sponsor the podcast. We don't want Church's Chicken to sponsor. No, we don't. They're going to give you unlimited chicken. No. (laughs) (laughs) The second thing for me was having access to quality food. Like, my daughter had such picky eating habits at that time. And I realized that being a younger mom, um, you know, and growing up, the quick, easy thing to do was to stop at McDonald's and get her the chicken nuggets just to hush her up. Well, there were no other options. I could drive up to the McDonald's. I didn't have to get out of the car. Otherwise, I got to get out the car, go to Publix, pick through the salad that's halfway ran down. You know, so I wanted some better choices in terms of food. And then I also needed to see people around me who were successful. I couldn't keep seeing people standing on the corners selling their bodies. I couldn't keep seeing the neighborhood dope boys. Like, I just can't. I know how it makes me feel. And it didn't make me feel like I wanted to be that person. It made me feel horrible for that person. And how dare I have these big dreams when there are people who are living like this. So I just needed to get in an environment where I saw success every single day. Mm. I saw it. Then, what's your plan for it? So you've got your vision. And you understand what it is. You you know what your life should look like. You may not know how you're going to get it. It's not important. Somebody write down, it's about who, not how. Who, not how. And that's a book. I would yeah, actually get actually, that book. Morning Meetup. We're, uh, we're reading that. Right? Who, not we're how. We're about to read it, yeah. 
who, not yep. how. It's really important when you read this book, you're going to have a shift in perspective because we stay stuck on the how so long. Well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get the money? How am I going to get the building? How am I going to start the website? I have no tech experience. How, 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 how? When really, why are you worried about how when there are a bunch of who's out there who are proficient in building the website? Who's out there who can introduce you to the building that will give you uh, access with the Second Chance program? Who's out there who are understanding about how to access other people's money? Like, we stay so focused and centered on the how you have to choose success for yourself and the reason we stay so stuck one of the reasons we stay so stuck is because we haven't really chosen success we want to be successful just like you want to be married but you haven't chosen a spouse you got to choose the success and start showing up for that Paint the picture of the person, the man or the woman that you choose to be. What do you drive? What kind of clothes are you wearing? What kind of stores do you shop in? Look, black representation in media means the world to me. I remember watching Arsenio Hall and Montel Williams and Oprah Winfrey. I remember seeing these black voices and I thought, you know what? I want to control a room like that. The next generation, however, of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today told from a unique black perspective from Bobby Schmurter to the wire, Michelle Obama, the reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Listen, black representation is important. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices uh, as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR wherever you get podcasts. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? Well, if so, I have some bad news. Mint's going away. It's shutting down. But here's some good news. There's an even better alternative. It's called Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and are absolutely loving it. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, which is the top-rated personal finance app, it also has a built-in collaboration feature so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and much more. You can create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com forward slash social. 
And get this, Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint so you can keep all your tags and categories. And unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up and to customize and to use it all together, okay? Monarch is absolutely obsessed with constantly improving a product. So they actually release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions so you can actually vote on requested features and you'll be able to see the product roadmap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash social. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash social for your extended 30-day free trial. What does your hair look like? What do your children wear? What kind of clothes do they wear? Made me start my business was me being very clear mm -hmm. about the type of life that I desired to live. And I never felt valued and appreciated enough at work. I always felt more talented, smarter, more skilled than people who were getting paid higher than me, right? And I was always the type of employee, like you have to work this eight hour day and I never understood why in the heck you have to work eight hours a day to get this little stuff done. I would be finished with work in like two or three hours and just be sitting at my desk twiddling my thumbs. But then there would be this fear that came inside of me when my supervisor or my boss would walk by and I'm doing nothing and you got to act like you're doing some work real quick. And just as a grown person, I never liked the way it felt for somebody to walk past me and I get scared, I tense up because I finished the job too fast. And I decided that the work environment, or at least that work environment, wasn't for me. So I tried another work environment. And it was kind of the same thing. But here now, I have to ask for like permission of when to get hungry. I don't want to go to lunch at one o'clock. I don't get hungry until two. But you're telling me that if I don't go to lunch at one o'clock, I skip lunch altogether. So now I have to starve based on your rules and what you're telling me to do. I tried a different work environment. Then I go to a different work environment. My daughter is about to graduate from fifth grade. And I had to ask for permission to go to her fifth grade graduation. Mm -hmm. And when I asked my direct supervisor, they told me to see somebody over their head. This is a no-brainer for me. What do you mean I have to ask multiple people to go and see my kid graduate? From fifth grade, this is a life experience. In that moment, I decided that nobody would get to determine my availability to my child or my quality of life for myself and my family. And even though entrepreneurship has been in me since I was a little girl, it became very clear that that was the only option. I had to build something and I had to build something on my terms and begin to start living life by design. I paid attention to the people who I actually admired, like in terms of lifestyle. And when I looked at the people that I actually admired in terms of lifestyle, none of them were slaving away at a nine to five. And none of them had to ask for permission to show up for their children. Mm -hmm. My boss didn't have to ask for permission to show up for their children, but I did. So it had to be for me. So number one, um, entrepreneurship is not a lane for everybody. This is really something that I'm built for this. It's a burning desire. I would die a miserable woman if I never pursued entrepreneurship. So number one, asking yourself, if this is this really for me, right? 
Some people are saying, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur because I hate my job. Well, maybe try a different job. Do you, do you find fulfillment in any job? And if you feel like you have this idea, you have this ingenuity and you just want to try it, then do it. The first step is to start. Think about what that looks like for you and, and then start. And then the second step would probably be to invest in things, put yourself in a surrounding where you can get better at being an entrepreneur, better at the service that you provide or better at creating the product that you offer. How do I become better and really start studying the, the back office, so to speak, of being an entrepreneur and not just that skill set and evolving and becoming an entrepreneur um, and then the third would just be to repeat. It's, it's a repeat cycle. It's repeat connecting your desire or your passion to the thing that you're doing and growing and getting better at it over and over and over again. But if you desire to be an entrepreneur, you know, you, you try it. And if you find out that you like it, then you actually do it. There's a difference between trying and doing it. Try it. You don't have to step out and be super CEO. You're not going to step out and, and be super skilled, understanding that you're going to evolve as an entrepreneur, understanding that the first try for you might look crappy. I sent David a screenshot just yesterday, I think it was, notes from 2014 when I finally quit my job. I hadn't worked since uh, in corporate since 2014. And I think it was my speaker fees. And I remember looking at these speaker fees. I was searching for something through my notes on my phone. That's funny. Let me look at it. Yeah, that's what I'm about <laughs> to pull up right now. I was searching through something in my notes on my phone and I came up with, oh, okay. I sent him something from August. I sent him two things. Number one, August, July, 2017. This is three years after I quit my job. My speaking fees, $150 an hour with the two-hour minimum. That's a two-hour minimum. $500 for four-hour events. My day rate was $1,000. You couldn't pay me $1,000 to get on the stage today. But this is where I was at that time. Did I want to command T.D. Jakes' $100,000 speaker fee? Absolutely. But who I was when I was trying it is very different now than who I am now that I am doing it. Was uh, I was going to say, learn how to tell a story, associate a story to your narrative. But I think Dave just covered that. So um, I will say a great narrative is also something that people can participate in. So um, Sleep is for Suckers, it was a messaging that people could support by wearing the bracelet, by wearing the T-shirts, right? The hats, whatever. Um, you may be a coach. Can you now start having small workshops and events? Can you do masterminds? Can you do, you know, can you get more people in your dress and user-generated content, creating the experience or, or the, the ability to participate? Now you've got this narrative. We're talking about custom dresses versus uh, rack room or rack off the rack dresses. And now you've got this user generated content where everybody's talking about one of one, right? And everybody's excited to post about that and to talk about it. They can't wait until they get their JL dress and they're able to talk about, you know, just their one of one. This is it. It won't fit anybody else this way. What can you do in your business that allows others to participate in your mission? Him 500 does a really good job of that. Yeah. He's got the recession proof brand. Um, I think at one time it may still be like a $5,000 investment. Mm -hmm. And the majority of people who you see on his social media are people 
that have yet to be able to afford it, but he is communicating recession proof, recession proof. These are things that you do to be recession proof. Does everybody understand the narrative of being recession proof? Does everybody desire to be recession proof? It might just be attending an event. I can't join the community, but I'm going I'm to attend an event. I'm going to participate on all of your posts because you've created this participatory narrative. How can you execute a participatory narrative in your own business? Paid by systems to work. Yep. Being paid by systems to work. So now you've got people in place, but you also have automations in place. So what about what you do? Can you automate? Right. What can you delegate and what can you automate? So maybe you do high ticket sales and your business requires sales calls. And you're doing the sales calls. Can you now hire a sales team? Systems, people think that systems are all technology and systems are not technology. Systems are simply a way that something is done over and over and over and over again. So identify what are the repetitive tasks that are happening in your business? What happens every single day on a frequency? And then ask yourself, how can I simplify this process? Is it people? Is it a software? Is it a process? How can I simplify it? So I know commonly many entrepreneurs want to engage their clients via email and text messages. Well, make your life easier and put a system in place for that and pre-schedule emails. If you're sending out revenue generating emails, let's go ahead and pre-schedule those. How can you pre-plan your content? That's a process that's a part of a system, right? Instead of taking notes on paper, what kind of client management software can you use now to digitally track your clients and their progress? SOPs. What kind of processes and workflows can you put together so that you can train everybody? So SOPs are really great for, for two really good reasons. You want right? to share what SOPs are? I'm sorry. Standard operating procedures. The way you do something in your business or the way you get to the result. So you want SOPs for two primary reasons. Number one, you want them to make sure that the people who are working in your business are all operating by the same code of business. And number two, you want SOPs in place to make sure that your clients and customers are served the same way. You don't want somebody to get Jacob on a sales call and they get a 10 minute call and, you know, it was in Jacob's voice. And then somebody else gets Stephanie on a call. What's up, family? Listen, a new year for many people means resolutions to save money. So stop shopping without getting anything in return. Start getting cash back on every single purchase you make with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns 145 bucks per year. And that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Buy the flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been wanting to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Join over 50 million savers and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Listen to me, family. 
Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code SOCIALPROOF when you register. Just go to the Apple Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code SOCIALPROOF. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or Apple Store and use code SOCIALPROOF. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And it's a 45-minute call, and they got the whole shebang red carpet laid out for them. The SOPs is a part of a process, which is a part of a system that makes sure that your employees are all marching to the beat of the same drum and your customers and clients are all getting the same experience. So right now, right now, what are three things that you can begin working on automating and delegating right away in your business? And start with the thing that you're doing that you're not so great at doing and it makes you money. And what are you doing that is a, that, that you need to make money and you're not so great at doing it, but you've been trying to DIY yourself there forever? Let's put a system in place for it. So, for example, me. Tech. I'm capable of doing tech. I was an engineering major. I decided a very long time ago that I don't want to be bothered with tech. I don't like to sit at the computer and just be deep in the details and figuring stuff out. I'm going to pay somebody to do that, right? But for so long before I could pay somebody to do that, I was trying to figure out how to set up these workflows. And then it's a disaster and all this good stuff. And then I took a course that taught me how to put a system in place. I got coaching from someone that taught me how to put certain systems in place. Tech was important. And it was the first thing that I delegated and automated because without my sales funnels and without my landing pages, I don't have a way to communicate my message. I don't have a way for people to go and do business with me. Right? So that's, that's something. Maybe you're taking payments via Cash App. Oh, just Cash App me. PayPal me. No. Let's put a system in place. How can you collect money like a professional? But not only are you collecting money, you're collecting data. Because when you're using like a Stripe or however you're getting paid, Square, whatever it is, they're collecting your customer data. They're collecting names, emails, phone numbers, locations. You're getting so much more data. It's a growth task. It's a responsibility that you have to make sure that you're, you have a good system in place for accepting payment. Team meetings, that's a system. Your team isn't operating to your beat. They don't know what's going on. You're constantly texting everybody individually. No, routine and regular team meetings. That is a system that you have in, your, in place in your business. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking about so I became full-time as an entrepreneur. I've, I've been, I have been trying my hand at different ventures since I was 17 years old. 
But when I had my first real success and became full-time as an entrepreneur, it was in 2014. And I remember um, at that time, I was just really rebuilding as a result of like going through the the 2008 to 2010 economic crash, right? So at this time, I'm- You went through that. Absolutely. I went through that. Like I lost everything. Lost my house, lost my car. Oh, you was in like the real estate. I was in real estate and I lost everything, right? And so my mom was gracious enough to allow me to live with her. Well, my mom still lived in her ch- in my childhood home. And at this time, uh, you know, it's 2010 beyond. Uh, the house was built in, say, 1987. So now the house needs like some plumbing and it needs a new roof and some things happen down in the basement. And every single time I turned into the neighborhood, I saw a decent neighborhood of now older established homes and I would ride through and I would see people and wave at my neighbors when I turn in the neighborhood and it's my neighbors, you know, those neighbors who they're just getting by, but they happy with their little corner in the world, right? (laughs) You see them out there proud to be cutting their grass and you see them out there proud to be uh, planting their rose bushes. And I would just always say, that's not what I want. You see them having to move out because everybody's foreclosing on their homes. And I'm seeing these people who have been in their homes for 20 plus years. Now this economy has forced them to have to make other plans. And I'm driving through the house. All of them are starting to look old. All the paint on the outside is starting to look like it needs a new a new paint job. And it's it just was not inspiring. Get into my house and me and my mom, I mean, me and my daughter are sharing my old high school bedroom. Or childhood bedroom. It's not an environment that I want to be in, nor was it an environment that I wanted for her. You can't have sleepovers because you and your mom sleep in the same bed. Is that humbling? How did you feel about that? Though? It was heartbreaking. It was beyond humbling, right? At least when you're humble, you still have some pride. But at that time, I, I didn't have any pride. How do you explain to your daughter that she can't do what the other kids are doing because you made bad choices? You made the decision to be irresponsible. Mm. You made the decision to not educate yourself about money. You knew you had to do it, but you just didn't do it. Right. So I had to tell her all those times, you know, how do you how do you lay in the bed with your daughter who's starting to grow a body? And she she doesn't have the space to, like, explore herself and things like that. So I became. I'm sorry. Real quick, because I can imagine I remember there were certain reasons I couldn't get stuff growing up because I didn't do well in school or I had bad grades. But imagine your child doing everything that they're supposed to do. They're getting they good can. grades in school and they still can't. They still can't, right? And mm. I got tired, David, of having to make up games for her to understand. Like, oh, we're going to play this game and we're going to do this. And I got tired of having to sell her on the idea that we're so close. We do everything together. She loves me. You know, I got tired. This is, this is how it was. This is because there was no other choice. And even when this was happening around 2013, now, fast forward 2013, I'm back making six figures again, but I was still attached to that trauma of having lost everything. So I was not yet on my own. I was scared to go out and get another place. I found comfort in my mom's house. We could afford this small mortgage. Like we could afford this lifestyle. And I had to tell myself, I I had to get to the point where I became sick and tired. And honestly, I think my daughter is what really was the catalyst for it because I would have, I would have negotiated my environment on my own behalf much differently than I do for my daughter. 
And so what ended up happening was I started to manage this property. I started to manage this high-rise apartment community in Atlanta. And the people who would come in there, I'd already been in property management for years. So now it's 2012, 2013. And the people who would come in there were getting these apartments that leased for like $4,000 a month. And they would come in and I would wonder like, what do you do? How can you afford to live here? Like, can you just tell me more? I take them on tours. Like, well, how did you get started in that? What are you doing? Like, how do, well, what do I need to qualify for that? And so many people were coming in who were doing things that I wanted to do that it made me feel like I am not activating my dream, but every single day I come into work to serve people who I could never afford to live like. Mm. And that became an issue for me. These people were living out what I actually wanted to do. They were entrepreneurs and high level executives. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming into work and I just it, I just could not do it anymore. I was taking orders from someone who could care less, like my boss could care less about what I had going on. And so now at this point, I'm in MLM in the company that you and I met in and I'm doing very well between my job and it. And it got to the point where my boss had one more time to piss me off. <laughs> We've all been there, right? One more time. And I was, I literally said, if they do this one more time, I am going to quit. They did it one more time. But before I quit, I started a business. I started a property management company leveraging my job to build my company, right? Now, I'm still living at home in my mom's house in, you know, College Park, Georgia, where I had grown up, but things have now changed in College Park, Georgia, the area that I lived in. And I decided that what the final straw for me and what changed was I wanted to live in the building that I managed. And we had an employee program. Long story short, my boss denied me for the unit. He did not hold me to the same criteria that the Caucasian women were able, the people who reported to me were able to get units in the building, two of them. But then the criteria changed when it was my turn to get units in the building. So I said, you know what? I make enough money. I am going to walk away from this. So that building that I once managed and was treated poorly in, I quit my job and I moved into the building. Mm. on my own. And I turned around and it became a goal of mine to make the people who mistreated me now have to serve me. (laughs) And people questioned it. Why would you want to live in a building? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Where people mistreated you. These were employees. They were employees. You don't benefit off of me living in this building. The management company didn't mistreat me. These two people mistreated me. So now every single day, I am going to remind you of how to treat the people who are going to come and replace me. Because when I need my dry cleaning dropped off, Mm. (laughs) when I need my groceries delivered, I'm sorry. (laughs) Do I have a package downstairs? Can someone please bring it up? (laughs) That became the motivation. Now, I don't want to have to pull this car with you, but say something else. And I need somebody to drive my vehicle around and be washed, please. (laughs) (laughs) That literally became the motivation. But then what happened was, let me tell you this. Now, the rent in that building went anywhere from as as low as $3,000 to as much as $10,000. You could also buy units in this building for up to maybe $2, $3 million. Mm. And what was happening was, as I'm living in this building, I still felt a little out of place. I'm getting onto the elevator with people who are in their pinstripe suits and their button-down shirts and their pencil skirts and their dresses, and they're getting on with their Manolo Blahnik heels and their red bottoms, and I still don't have any of that. Because now at this point, I have to decide, do I want to look the part or be able to afford this rent Mm. every single month? So I was in the environment, but it was shaken up for me because I didn't feel comfortable. When I turned on the street to my house in College Park, Georgia, I fit in like everybody else. When I moved to this high rise building in Midtown Atlanta, I was clearly someone who stood out. I was one of the youngest in the building at that time. And if you lived in that building at that time as a single woman, it was assumed that it was because you had a man sponsoring you. So every time I get on the elevator, people would you know, say things like, so you and your boyfriend live here? Sheesh. You and your boyfriend live here? No. Ain't no boyfriend sponsoring this, right? (laughs) I'm working hard for it. So I say that to say, once I got in the environment to work, once once I got into the environment that I worked so hard for, I was completely out of place. I did not fit in. So I still wasn't comfortable because I still wanted what set us apart. I wanted to bridge the gap. Like, you're not going to put me in this box where I can't afford to live here later. Now we're in the building. And not only did I at that time get a condo for myself, I remember when I brought my mom to come and look at the building to get her opinion on what she thought. I'll never forget. She was standing in the windows with her back to me and her eyes are just, you know, tears. And my mom used to say all the time, because every time I failed, I had to go back to home. Anybody else had to ever go back home again? Mm -hmm. Every time I failed, I had to go back to my mom and she would say things. I'm somebody's mom. And she would say, man, if anything ever happens to me, I am worried about how you are going to take care of you and your child. Wow. 
And so when it got to the point where I could now afford this unit, so I thought I really couldn't afford it, not for real, right? <laughs> I had the, I made the money to pay for it, but it, it just wasn't smart to do. But I get to this point where I can, I have the money to pay for this and I bring my mom to this building and she's crying. She's in tears. She's like, I wish I could ever have lived like this. I wish I could have experienced. I, I'm so happy that you have this for yourself. And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking, I'm running it back in my mind. Like now my mom still has to turn on that same street and see those same neighbors who are just making ends meet and see the pretty, the nice little couple who's planting their rose bushes. And that's all they want out of life. They're going to go to work and they're going to slave all day as long as they can come back and have their rose bushes. My mom, we're talking environment. So in order for me to change my environment, I also needed to help the people in my environment that I'm closest to change their environment. It started with my mom. And so as she's going through this process and she's crying, she's so proud. She said, I wish that I could ever have lived this way. <laughs> so I'm on the phone and I'm texting my realtor and I'm saying, hey, is there another unit in the building? And the lady is like, yep. So we go downstairs. We're looking at this other unit, Shans. And I told my mom, hey, let's go look at another unit. I just want to see. What do you think about this unit? And so we're in it and she's like, oh, this is beautiful. This is it right here. This is the floor plan, but it's too small for you and Deja. I think this is something better off like for a single person. Like if I were living here. Now, mind you, while she's doing this, I'm signing the paperwork. Mm. And I told my mom, like, good, this is yours. At this point, though, were you like just getting not just getting by, but just paying for your unit? No, I mean, I was making money. So at this point, I had... Are you saying when you first got into the building, it was, it was shaky? It wasn't necessarily that it was shaky. I felt out of place. I had never paid $3,000. My unit was $3,000. I had never paid that before. I had paid like, I think, $1,600 at most. So now I'm about to pay $3,000. And then I'm turning around and getting another one for my mama. So we're at nearly $6,000 at this time. It wasn't that I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money mindset. Mm. And because I had lost so much due to financial irresponsibility and my poor relationship with money, like I know I got the money, but I'm praying every single day, God, help me make good decisions with this money. Because now that I put it out there, like you went and got the building for the podcast studio, it has to work or it has to work. God, you didn't have me move my mama and my child for mm. us to have to go back to the house that needs a roof mm. and plumbing and everything else. So for me, when the environment changed, there was there was a fountain of things, so to speak, that, that sprinkled down at one time. I had just left the job. I had, uh, because I was scared to spend money for real at that time, I saved all my money. So from the six-figure job, I really didn't spend too much. I was living with my mom. Um, and then I had the network marketing business that I was doing very well in. So I had a lot of capital on hand and I went for it. But there was no turning back. And now we're what? We're seven years later. That happened in 2014. We're seven years later. We're still in the building, wow. <laughs> right? That's we're still in the building. Mm. But so for those of you who are having environmental issues, like I think it's such irresponsible advice sometimes that we give so haphazardly to people to say, you got to get away from those friends. Uh. Well, during that time, one of the friends who we're not necessarily on the same page today, but when I needed to eat, she fed me, right? When I didn't have it, when I needed somebody to pick my daughter up from school, she was her ride. 
Though we are not on the same page necessarily today, this is not someone that I am willing to cut off. For sure. I just have to engage with differently, right? Because the mindsets are a little different now. When it comes to environment, you have to first identify what part of your environment is holding you back. And for 99% of the people in this room, it's you. Are you, before you quit, before you give up, ask yourself, am I hungry? And I'm not just going to stop there. Am I hungry? And I say that because that's the one that we can most relate to. But the point that I really want to make is, am I physically well? You ever made a really bad decision, like an argument just started? You're driving in the car, you super starving. You in the car with your spouse or your significant other, and y'all are going back and forth about what to eat. You're hangry at this point, <laughs> and you're ready to just blow the whole relationship. Like I'm done. This doesn't make any sense. It's a right. I know I have broken up with a person a time or two because of the bad decisions that I made when I was just hungry or exhausted, like I hadn't had enough sleep. Or maybe like the time of the month or something. That time of the period. month, yeah. like the 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 uh, number seven would be: Are you well? So go through a well checklist. Have I eaten? <laughs> That's really important. That explains a lot. That uh, explains a lot. I, 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 I give my wife a little more grace. To the point hungry. where there's a whole meme <laughs> that says, don't blame me for the, don't hold me accountable to the decisions that I make when I am hungry. Maybe, have you changed medication recently? This is a big one. Mm. I saw, um, there was, there was a, a mom who was talking about her third grade son committing suicide. And she couldn't figure anything out about him that's changed other than medication. And she's now suing the pharmaceutical company because one of the or a few of the symptoms cause like depression and anxiety and you're not feeling like yourself. And the doctors think that this change in medication is a reason why he was feeling so outside of himself that he decided to quit in the most major way. Have you changed medication? Are you drinking enough water? Do you just need to get outside and take a walk? Have you ever just gone outside and hit some sun and you come back and you've got some, you're re-energized. You've got like a new perspective. Like before you consider quitting some on yourself or on a thing, assess, am I well? Are there, is there a simple thing that I need to do? Do I just need to exercise, eat, drink some water, get a hug? That's heavy. A hug. Do I just need a hug? from somebody like, do I just need to know that somebody I feel, do I need to feel somebody else's energy? This is really, really important because if you just hug somebody, maybe you'll feel their energy and you're ready to go again. If you just have a conversation with somebody, maybe it'll help your mental health perspective. If you just eat a meal, maybe you're not short fused. If you analyze what you're putting into your body, the medication, the supplements, the whatever, maybe it will explain why everything is feeling different to you. And I'm going to close it with the number eight. How are you going to take my... I, I have to. You did it's, seven. It's, it's, look, look, look now. <laughs> I got to close it with the, num- with the number eight. Are you over-quantifying and over-qualifying? Explain that. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. I know, I know what it means, but mm-hmm. Reese is going to... Are you... You know what it means, but Reese, for Reese, for the Reese's in the room, are you overqualifying and overquantifying? 
Meaning, are you using language like nothing is working? Everybody hates me. Everybody hates this. Nobody likes it. Is that true? Or the last two people that you talked to wasn't feeling the shirt, but did you forget about the last five sales that you made from people who actually liked it? Is it everybody that doesn't rock with you? Did you talk to everybody or did you just talk to the three people who were nearest to you? The three people who you just saw today? Is nothing working or is nothing about this one campaign working? And are you forgetting that something about the last campaign actually did work? Like sometimes you can be so down on yourselves, like everything that we're trying isn't working. Really? Well, when we were going to counseling, that part was working, but we quit counseling and we started Mm -hmm. to try to just talk to our friends. That's not working. But the counseling was working. Don't overqualify or overquantify using words like everybody all people, nothing, nothing, everything, everything. When you think you have to break down those words because the thought that you rest on, the thoughts that you think are going to trigger how you feel emotionally and how you feel emotionally is going to determine how your, your, your depth to continue or your depth to quit. So watch the words that you're speaking and watch how you're over quantifying when really it was just one person. You had a bad conversation with one person and suddenly you feel like it's everybody. It's not everybody. Be clear. Well, two people of the last 10 people that I spoke to didn't like my shirt. And my feelings are hurt. And I now I got to do some work to figure out why my feelings get hurt when 20% of people didn't like my idea, but 80% did. Are you focusing on the small group of people that don't have your thoughts or your opinions or your likes and you're making them the big deal when you should be focusing on the larger number of things that are actually going well and making it the big deal. That'll keep you going. I will say once you create your narrative, um, get people who defend your narrative Mm -hmm. because the people who defend your narrative are going to be the people that help you to share and spread the narrative throughout to other people. And that's really, really important because you can create a narrative in your head all day long. But if nobody is buying into this with you, then it's not going to be impactful the way that you want it to be. Um, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and they're always looking for marketing strategies. Right. And they want to get paid marketing strategies, but then they don't have any money. They don't know how to run ads and they don't have any money to pay a marketing team to run ads. And so then they say, well, my business has halted. It's at a standstill because I can't run ads. When I launched my signature program, I attempted to run ads and for Facebook's reason, they banned and blocked and disabled my entire business manager. At this time, I cannot run ads and it's been more than a year. Still can't. Still can't run ads. I have made more money in this last year than I have in one consecutive year in my entire history of doing business because I didn't care. If I can't run ads, I'm going to do something else. So what's stopping you? You don't know how to run ads. You don't have the budget for a marketing agency. Can you do a podcast? Like, I guarantee that I'm getting booked for strategy sessions right now. Right now, because somebody is watching a podcast. Can you go live a little bit more? Can you be your ad? 
you become your ad and go live on your Instagram channel, on your Facebook channel. You start a profile on LinkedIn. You get on Twitter and start post. You get consistent with content three to five times a day, every single day. You attend things like you can't invest in ads, invest in the content creation bootcamp. Uh, yes, I've had a business that I don't, I won't necessarily say I quit on, but I laid it to bed because I evolved beyond it. So I owned um, I owned some clothing stores. And at the time that I owned my clothing stores in the beginning, you know, doing very, very well. And I was still doing well when I decided that I was I had evolved beyond it. And the industry also evolved beyond my model. So I owned women's clothing stores. Instagram became a thing and Instagram boutiques selling clothes through boutiques became a thing, too. And now people want to, you know, order online and they want things shipped to them. And so they don't want to drive to the store. And I was in a high traffic area and I just had to ask myself, um, number one, it, it wasn't really a passion. I enjoyed doing it and I made money. It was easy to do. But the, the pain or the stress associated with trying to figure it out for me at that time, I had evolved in a way where other things became clearer for me and it was just simpler to choose something that was more in alignment with the way that business was growing and, and evolving at that time. So um, I've not, I can't think of anything um, that I've quit abruptly except the network marketing industry, but that wasn't really my business. I just got to a place where I just had a realization, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I stopped, but I didn't stop doing it without a plan. I didn't, I don't want to do this anymore because I'd rather be doing this. And I did that thing. Period. I think all of the nine steps that we gave kind of answers the second part to your question, like all of those things that you you should consider before you're quitting. And based on those answers, like if you've gone to your who, you got the who's and it's still not bringing you fulfillment, it's still not working. If you've exhausted all of the possibilities and, and the ways in which this could work, if this is just stressing you out to the point where it's detrimental to your health. These are all reasons that maybe you should quit. And then sometimes quitting doesn't mean dissolving the business. Sometimes it could look like you taking a step back and putting somebody else who's more qualified to keep trying some things, to keep tweaking and turning some knobs to make it happen. You might have to take a step back, but that doesn't mean that the whole business needs to close down. Just find somebody else who's willing to give it a couple of of tries and see what we can make happen. I dare you to post. I kicked in his door last night. Then I dare you to go in and watch how many comments you get. I kicked in his girl. What? 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 Then I dare you tomorrow to post. I kicked down the door to success last night. Which one do you think you're going to get the most engagement on? Everybody wants to know why you kicked in his door last night. Not too many people want to know how you kick down the door to success. There's going to be some cream that rises to the crop, but for the majority of people, they're entertained by the drama. And we can see it with our own social media behavior. We're entertained by the foolishness and we're not clear with what we actually want. Have you asked for it for what it is that you actually want? Like, have you literally said, I want the six-figure business or I want the seven-figure business doing X, Y, and Z? So many people are still at work saying they don't want a job, but they're looking for and preparing for their promotion. 
That went over your head. Mm. See, I was never, the 2% raise at my job when I worked didn't bother me. I'm not going to be here long enough to get it. <laughs> Quack the hell. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the one-year review. I am only here to work to learn how you guys run your business so I can go and implement these into, these lessons into my own business. You were, How am I going to be worried about a 2% raise and being an entrepreneur? Entrepreneur is someone who is self-employed. Mm-hmm. You're working for yourself, building your own thing. So now ask yourself, are you wanting things that are contradictory to themselves? Content has literally changed me and David's life. Absolutely. It has changed our lives. And I think we both started creating content before we knew what content creation was. 100%. Like literally just sharing us and being authentic and transparent and And that's one thing that may be holding you back, too, if you're not where you want to be. Are you attached to this content that's inside of you that can be helping you grow? Like my my page and my sales grow because I am authentically myself. If I am hurt, I am explaining how I handled that hurt. I'm not on social media whining about the hurt. I am saying, hey, guys, I experienced something real heavy this week as a CEO. Let me tell you what I did to get through it. If I am happy, I am sharing that win. If I learn something new in business, I'm sharing it. What are you not sharing that could get you to your financial goals? Not even just your financial goals, but your impact goals. The more people you help, the more the more people you help get what they want, the more you're going to get what you want. Well, if you're not currently generating revenue, let's put a revenue method in place. Share good content. Your content will help somebody. It's a fact. Your content will help somebody. The more good content you put out, the more people you're helping, the more people you're helping, the more you're going to get what you want. That's a fact. And so, yo, social media is not going anywhere. And it lives. Mm-hmm. When I was leaving my job in 2014, I tried to leave my job a couple of times. I owned a clothing store, tried to leave my job, went back to work. And entrepreneurs, you try. And, and you, that's the difference between trying and doing. I leave my job and I'm doing all this and speaking in 2017, three years after leaving my job was just in addition. I just released a book. Mm-hmm. Oh, honey, I thought this was big money. You know, when this was created, I just thought about this. I got in the biggest speaking gig of my life, Bishop T.D. Jakes. At Megafest. Yep. It was the biggest speaking platform, biggest speaking stage in the United States at that time. I printed your t-shirts for that. You printed my t-shirts. I wrote this book. I'm finding out that making book money and t-shirt money is a whole lot easier than network marketing. This is Mm -hmm. when I started kind of detaching myself away from that. And now I got, I'm on stage with Bishop T.D. Jakes. Y'all got to pay me $150 an hour for two hours minimum. (laughs) (laughs) T.D. Jakes put me on as a keynote. You got to pay me $1,000 for my whole day. Travel expenses cover what? (laughs) What? Then, almost a year later, I wrote out, this is the note I sent this to David to, April 30th, and the note that's attached to it that I wrote him said, look at the date on that. I've done every single thing on this list except for the salon and the barbershops, and we're in the process of working on that, right? Donnie's stream of income, this note from August April 30th, 2018, books. Uh, these are the things that I desire to do. Books, audios, speaking, coaching, events, courses, 
network marketing, property management, currency trading, luxury concierge services, written content creation, video content creation, staff training, motivating staff to work harder, hair salons, barbershops. That is ago. on this list. Four years ago. This was four years ago. You talk about somebody who was all over the place, but I did every single last thing on this list. Every single last thing on this mm-hmm. list, I've done it because I've never been afraid to try something. I've never been afraid to fail at something. I'm not going to quit on a thing. I'm going to try it and I'm going to recognize like, oh, it's not really what I want. The $150 for two hours is not what's up, right? The $1,000 for a day is not the way that I want to do it. So then obviously since then we've streamlined some of the things that we've doing that we've done and I've connected dots. What's on this list that I want to make money from that I can position in one business? And and I've done that. So as a, as someone who's aspiring to be an entrepreneur, I go on a tangent because it's so important. Just try something. You may not have the total idea figured out yet. When I started in the coaching space, I'm a business coach, right? I started in the personal co- personal development coaching space. I used to help people feel good about themselves. I helped women feel significant because we lose ourselves in children and we lose ourselves in marriage and relationships. Then I realized I was building a business and I started, people started coming to me and say, hey, I want to start a business, but I don't know what that looks like. And I would talk to them for 30 minutes. And before I knew it, I had a gift at saying, you'd be really good at doing this. So then I started getting paid just to tell people what kind of business to start. I'm not helping you start it. I'm not starting it with you or for you. All I know how to do is tell you what I think you should start. And as we're going through the year of doing this, People are starting businesses. And now I'm starting to get like emails and DMs of people saying, Donnie, yo, thank you for that conversation. I went and started that mechanic shop. I went and started that salon. I went and launched that course. And so then I start advertising like, okay, I can, I'm your go-to. If you're, if you're struggling to find an idea, I can help you do that. So now my business was to teach people how to go from A to B, not being an entrepreneur, to discovering what an idea is. I ain't even guaranteeing that you're going to start. I'm just telling you what the idea could be, right? But as I'm growing and I'm evolving as an entrepreneur, I'm making more money, my business is growing. So now I'm qualified to teach you more than just what you should start. Now I can teach you from A to C how you should start. Aspiring, what you should start, how you should start. I'm growing. I didn't wait. Now I teach you how to make millions of dollars. Me today. Now I teach you how to make millions of dollars. But me in 2017 didn't know how to make millions of dollars. I just knew how to tell you what kind of business you should start. I let the process be the process. I respected the journey. I started with what I knew. So if you are wanting to start a t-shirt line and the only thing you know how to do right now is come up with fantastic slogans and designs, maybe you start a business saying, hey, You want to start t-shirts, but you lack creativity. I know dope slogans and designs. That is my business. I don't produce t-shirts. I don't manufacture. I don't ship. I give you slogans and designs. The end. Start with what you know. And then as you evolve, you can add more things later. 